Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, if you're listening Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, I want to say uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. And also, uh, happy Hanukkah to all my uh, friends of the Jewish faith out there, which uh, I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood, which is no lie, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And it was 85% Jewish. Actually, it was 90% Jewish, but they bargained with a census. And and Hanukkah, what's weird of Hanukkah is... Because you go up in a Christian neighborhood, there's Christmas lights. You never see anyone with, with Hanukkah lights. You don't see, like, you know, a, a rabbi on someone's front yard or, like, a big Jewish star blinking in a garage. And it was always funny because you could drive through neighborhoods and there would not be one light. It would be dark. And you know all the neighbors are like, man, that Goyim did well for himself. And the only thing I didn't like about being Jewish, because, I mean, I would have no problem, is I, I was bummed because they all got bar mitzvahed. And when they turned 13, they made, like, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars 20000 When I was 13, I was delivering the Courier Post, the newspaper, making about eight bucks a week. So that's my thing. But have a great Hanukkah. And we have a great show. I actually, uh, I've followed this this woman's career for a long time. Uh, and I saw her in Anaheim a few weeks ago. And it was really amazing. It was an 80s show. And I got to say, she kicked ass. And it's amazing that she came out and her voice sounded great. And it was just great. Our guest is Terry Nunn. How are you doing, Terry? Hi, I'm good. That How was are you? Good. That night, I mean, we were, we were, you went on first, which we were like, what the hell? Because I don't know if you had to go back to do the radio show or that, that flashback Jack show. Yeah. But you guys, you took the show. I mean, until Springfield came on stage, the energy, me and my friend are going, holy crap, this is amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, we had to go. But it actually was. It wasn't an 80s show because uh, Blondie was on that show. And the Sugar Hill Gang, when did they come out? Was well, that sh- like the 60s? Well, the funny thing about the Sugar Hill Gang, which cracked us up, is they were playing covers. Like, they have two songs, the Apache and uh, yeah. and the other one. But then they were playing, like, some Run DMC. And I'm like, and then me and my buddy, <laughs> we were a few beers in because we were out front earlier. And yeah. we're like... Did they did they play that song? And he's like, I don't think so. So we got our phone out. We're like, I don't know. They're doing covers, which was very, you know, it wasn't <laughs> fun. It wasn't a fun thing. But that's what I love about Jack FM. They just put anything on. Oh, it's great. Like a, just a, a mishmash. Well, it's what I don't the thing I don't like about Jack is though sometimes they do that commercial and they say mm-hmm. the songs come and they'll play a, a nit snip of a song and I think that song is going to be on. So I'm all excited and then it's another snip from a song. It's right. not the song and I'm like, God, you know, it's just <laughs> awful. So now when you said, when you were on stage, you said uh, you were from Orange County. Now you're from Baldwin Hills, right? Actually, the band is from Orange County. Okay. John Crawford, my partner, grew up in Orange County. And when I met him, God, this was 1979, he, he was doing the band out here, and I answered his ad. He was asking for someone who didn't mind something, a band that was very unique. Okay. And that intrigued me, because I love unique they were definitely unique. John's whole idea was this electronic thing that was not even happening in America yet. So I was I was fascinated, and I loved his writing. Now, it's now as a kid, now were you, did you sing as a kid? Because a lot of people, like I think everyone sings as a kid, but a lot of us stink. Like me, I wasn't singing. I mean, a lot of us can't. I could not sing. I mean, you know, everyone like when I grew up, everyone had to be in a choir or whatever. And and if you stunk, they just put you in the back and like just tell you to keep it down. But now, did you were you around music as a kid, or how did you follow this career? Yeah, and I realize now that I was unique as a kid because I thought everybody could sing. Okay, I was pitch perfect at three years old. 
And I know now, having kids of my own, that that's not normal. You know, it's it, most kids, they can sing, but they can't sing well. And, and for someone to sing like that is unusual. So, I, 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 yeah, I was different. Now, how did you start singing at three, though? Was it just you were sitting around and you heard the radio and started oh, yeah. singing? Or, I mean, so there was music yeah. playing a lot in your house? I mean, was it an artistic household where you grew up? Yeah, my dad was, he was a child star, and he, he was in uh, the MGM movies with Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney, and he was... He grew up, you know, basically those people were rock stars in their day. Right. He was um, a contract player at MGM. And he was really into music. He was a violin player, which is what brought him to Hollywood because he was so good at it. And uh, we had a very musical household. So we listened to everything. I started listening to the Beatles and singing to the Beatles at three years old. Really? Oh, yeah. And then we had a record store. Before, you know, Tower and Warehouse, we had our own little mom-pa record store, and I ran the cash register, and I played music all day because I had nothing else to do, and I got to play any record I wanted in the store. The record stores were so cool. I used to, yeah. go, I used to go up to New Brunswick, and I had a friend who lived there where Rutgers is, and you could just go to these record stores, and you would find, like, comedy albums that you didn't even know people put out, and this was 20, 25 years ago. Oh, yeah. And now, and even like even when Tower opened, and then there was Peaches and stuff like that, we used to ride our bikes to them and you go through the discount rack now, yeah. you, don't, now you don't see it it sort of sucks when it comes to music because it's like everything's download you know it's like I mean it's it's crazy now there's no record stores I know yeah I know iTunes is the biggest record store in the world now it's, and it's it's not even a store I know. it's online that's what's crazy because Joanne <laughs> listens to like I when she moved in I had to get rid of all these CDs I had tons yeah. of CDs and she wanted room and I had I got them from a friend she's like you know you, you have the, and it was a typical not a bachelor but I guess it was sort of it was in the kitchen I had a stereo set up in a box a crate of CDs but I'm like you know that's I cook but I don't need that much room and so when she, I got rid of all these CDs but it's weird going through them and now I have actually have a thing of cassettes which I, I'm going to have you autograph I have your cassette from your five songs that I found and I want you to sign I never Aww. ask us for autographs but I found Thank I found you. this stuff but it's just weird like, it's so different now because kids like they don't really get to know like the feeling of music where like when I was younger when you opened up an album and if the album had the lyrics you were ecstatic oh the best like, was it the best oh god I would put the album up on my wall I would lay on the floor with the <laughs> headphones on and read the liner notes over and over and learn every single lyric on there and who's playing on it and oh my god there's a guest star it's, 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 it's Mick Jagger singing on a Queen record oh my god and then of course being the first on the block to to have the record and play it for other people because I'm so cool yeah you are cool see that but that's good for you No, see, and now, did you ever record them? Like, we used to sit there and like, you would record, your friends would record it so you'd start the cassette player but you'd be like, quiet and and you'd push the record and you couldn't talk and it always happened like my buddy Mark Esposito would be doing it and my brother would walk into the room and we're like, you just ruined, you know, side one of Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah. So, so now when you go to high school, or at what point did you say I'm gonna I'm gonna pursue singing? At what point did you say I want to be a singer? Or I know you went to acting too. You okay. wanted to act. Uh, I did. I, my first band was called L.A. <laughs> and we just did covers. Okay. We did like my who? the first song I ever sang on a stage was "Blue Bayou" by Linda Ronstadt. Right, so very we slow. did Jackson Brown covers. We did Fleetwood Mac. I was fifteen at the time. And uh, they didn't tell anybody that I was underage, so I would play in the clubs and they would let me because you were actually weren't legally allowed to do that. So we just didn't tell anybody. And uh, I got up on stage. That was my first band of any kind. And I was sort of serious about it, but I was doing uh, television roles at the time. And what really kicked my ass to do it 
was uh, this show came along called Dallas. Okay. And uh, for some reason, the, the casting director already knew me from something else, brought me in, and there was no audition. They just said, okay, this is it. You read the script. Uh, it's, a, it's a new series coming out. Do you want to do it? It was the, the part that Charlene Tilton eventually played, and uh, it was a seven-year contract. And I went home. I was in shock because, I mean, you know, it's a huge offer. Amazing, seven right? Years. Seven that's years. That's just amazing. I was 18, and uh, I, I went to my mom, and I said, Mom, you know, this is a big decision because if it's a success, then this is what I'm going to be doing, and I'd really like to try this music thing. And she said, well, if you're going to try it, you should do it now because you'll regret it if you don't. And I'm, I'm behind you, whatever you decide. So I turned it down. My agent dropped me. My manager said, are you, are you allowed to curse on this uh, Just station? not the F-bomb. Okay. You can say crap. Just, are I, you freaking out of your mind? Well, yeah. I mean, you can imagine. First of all, the agents, and I hate to say this about agents and managers, but they're looking at the 10 and 15%, and they're oh, going yeah. seven, seven years. And this is, I mean, it's not like get a commercial, we're going to get this. This is, you have seven years, and if the show's a hit, you know your contract's going Which to Which it was. And I mean, he said, how, are, I mean, how many times do you think you're going to get offered something like this? What are you even in my office for? Why, are, why am I even representing you? So I was, I was dropped. I had nothing. At that point, that was like a day later. Nothing. I had nothing to lose. Right. So I gave myself a year to find a band, and it was exactly a year later I met John. Now, did and you, Berlin started. Did you go through a lot of auditions during that time for just like some weird bands or just some auditions that were? Oh I mean, yeah, lots. You were, where, you were reading them. Where was back then? Where would you read them out here? Was it like? In, uh, yeah, we didn't have internet yet. Right. It was a place in Hollywood called the Musicians Contact Service. So I would go in there and read all the ads, you know, from bands looking for singers, and I put my own ad in there. And I, yeah, I met with a lot of bands, and for different reasons, they either weren't serious, or it wasn't really the kind of music I was looking for, or there wasn't a chemistry, or they didn't like me. Right. There was one band that, that turned me down, and they came to a show later once uh, Berlin had made some kind of a name with, for ourselves, and, and, they, and the guy just said, was I out of my mind? I said no to you. Really? And you know, and they didn't go anywhere for whatever reason. But yeah, I mean, it was it was like a lot of dating. It felt like dating. Okay. Well, that's funny because when you say um, when you did the cover bands, you were doing slower music, Jackson yeah. Brown. But when you were, did you have an idea of what kind of band you wanted to be involved in when you were looking, or did you just say if something I wanted fits? rock? Okay. I wanted to be Grace Slick. Okay. I wanted something that was outrageous, that was irreverent, that was different, that. I could be like a guy in a band, like Grace Slick was, because she was really unique. in In that world, there wasn't anybody like her. Which your cover is very good. On the, you play that, it was good because somebody love. Yeah, yeah. And, and Grace, like a lot of people. The funny thing is, a lot of people don't remember, like who are younger, don't know mm -hmm. even know who Jefferson Airship is, and and then Jefferson Airplane. Then they know Jefferson Starship, so they know like uh, the New York City, and it's like and, and those they know we those built songs. the city, yeah, which is the they, number one. It was rated by Rolling Stone the number one worst song ever written in rock. Well, what's funny is, <laughs> but exactly, I didn't know that. That's funny. Cause, but the funny is, people don't know that. Like these people sit there and they don't know like the whole Grace Slick, and I think it was Paul Kantner. Or I think was that it? Or yeah. And I don't think they know like that this band was this big band I mean it's very weird it was Jefferson Airplane yeah in the 60s they were huge I mean when I was a kid she just changed my life when I saw her she was on TV and she she took her top off and she gave everybody the finger and she just you know she was like wow that right. is a woman I mean she was right up there with the guys and <laughs> yeah so 
So you met a year. It was actually a year to the day that you met Berlin. A year to the month. Now, were you going to were you going to stick to it, or were you uh, leaving it, or were you going to go? I mean, you said I'll give it a year. Yeah, because I mean, I I was I was what nineteen at the time. I had my own apartment. I had to work. You know, so I I didn't know if I could make it. I knew I loved it, but I didn't know if I had the talent. So I had to really make a decision. I wasn't going to look for it forever and be one of those people living off my parents. Right. Or, you know, like a deadbeat who's who's believing in themselves long after everybody's kind of said, uh, it's not happening for like you. Like me. <laughs> 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 the only person who believes me is Joanne's in this room. My parents are going to no. Um, <laughs> So, so okay. So you meet this guy from Berlin. Yeah. And did, now did he already have music? Yeah. Composed. So he oh just said, yeah, they were already. I mean, what I loved is not only was the music unique, but they were already doing shows. They already had uh, all kinds of music already written. In fact, the singer I was replacing, she went on to be Grammy nominated. Worked with Peter Gabriel. It was Tony Childs. Okay. She had her own solo album. That's what she wanted to do. She wanted to leave Berlin. And go do solo stuff, which she was a huge success at. But listening to the music, I was like, wow, I got to follow her. She was a great singer. And I had basically done nothing. <laughs> you know, I had done that little band called L.A., which was nothing. You know, I, had, I lied. I said I had experience, and I'd been around for a while, and it was all crap. If you told them you were pitch perfect at three, it would have sealed the deal. Yeah, well, you know, they don't care what you did at three. <laughs> exactly. So, so you go into this band now. I mean, it must be a little bit scary. I mean, because you're going into Terrifying. a band. So, and, and oh, you're, yeah. you're the lead person. Everyone's looking at you, and and so, and you have to deliver. Because if basically, if you go to a concert, you know, if the singer sucks, you're like, eh. and if it's guitar, over, if yeah. a guitarist sucks, you're like, oh, okay, at least the singer was really good. <laughs> I mean, but it's true. And so, but if a guitarist, I mean, if the singer's off, it's so, and you're young, and so it must have been very pressureful. I mean, it was you know, yeah. Yeah. So what was the, what was the first uh, song you sang with them? Was it, did it become a hit for you guys or? No, we well, let's see. The first songs we did, I'm trying to remember what ended up on the first album. Matter of Time, no, Matter of Time didn't end up on the first album. Matter of Time was our first single that was played on a station, and that they had, and other songs. But yeah, I mean, it took a while. We we, I joined in '79, and our first record deal was '82. Okay. And now what was your first hit off that record? Was it Metro or Masquerade? In 82? Yeah. Our first hit was, well, what exploded the band was Sex Ima. Now, the funny thing is, back then, videos made a difference. I mean, now... Oh, God, yes. Huge. So you you have this album, and then you guys have... You're a good-looking woman. You have a hip band. So you guys have a good look. And so... Does the rec- does MTV come to your agent or your record company and say we want them to do a video or how did the whole video process start for you guys? It, extremely lucky for us because MTV started the same year our first album came out and they had 24 hours of time to fill and a lot of record labels didn't believe in them. They didn't think that video was going to do anything. So some labels that came around to us wouldn't give us any budget for videos and we were like, well, we think this is going to be a big thing, this MTV. And they're like, well, forget you. So we went with the label, Geffen, who gave us a video budget because they did believe in it. And so the great thing for us was MTV had very little to play. So they played the crap out of us. They just, I mean, we just got played almost every hour because they had 24 hours of time to fill and they had no content. 
What is the whole process of the video, though? Because I always sit there and go, you know, it, it's does someone come to you? Because you guys are the band, and the bottom line is it's your song. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there's a director, and there's the people who say we want this. The record company's probably saying we want this view. Mm-hmm. Was do you collaborate with the director, or did these guys? Did you guys have an idea and say, okay, here's what we want to do, or did they? The record company say. You're working with this person. Here's the video you're doing. Here's how it looks. Do it. Most of the time, we didn't have an idea. The only idea I ever had was for No More Words, the Bonnie and Clyde idea. Okay. Because I was a huge Bonnie and Clyde fan. I got my first kiss when I saw Bonnie and Clyde. It was like a, that to me was an iconic movie that changed, you know, it was like a soundtrack to my life. It was Bonnie and Clyde. It was so hot. Uh, So that I did have an idea for. But most of the time, we had directors who you know we would their label would find these directors who were interested in us and we were interested in what they had done and they would come with an idea they called it a treatment and we would go through the treatments and see what you know we were excited to do and meet with the director and do it you know it would take anywhere from one to three days okay to to shoot it and that was it. What was one of your favorite videos to shoot? Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie, the, oh, yeah. So that was just, that was great. So yeah. you know, the, the funny thing is now MTV, now people are hearing your music because it's getting radio play. Mm-hmm. And now MTV is this new, this new. The advent. most exciting thing in the world. I, I mean, to someone like me, 24 hours of music, oh, I, I re- couldn't wait. I remember when it first came out because before MTV came on, um, the old cable East in, in New Jersey, it was uh, before Comcast, I think it was Prism or whatever it was called. They had this one station that only had like eight videos. And I remember one of them was Squeeze pulling muscles from the shell. One oh, was wow. Iggy Pop on board. <laughs> and there was a few others. But then MTV came on and for us, I and mean, we loved it. And it was just so different because I remember the night it came on because it was that, that dun, 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 and we're like, what is this? And then we saw these videos. And you remember like, the first video they played? Uh, actually, I know Jeff you know Downs what it is. from Video Play. Video, video killed the radio well, star. Jeff Downs went on to be in Asia, and yes, and right. I, I met him one night. My friend knew him, and I was at a bar in Burbank, and I had a beer with him, which is weird because I saw him play when he joined Yes for a while. I saw him play at the Spectrum in Philadelphia in the round, and I was like, "Wow, this is cool. I love L.A." Two years, and like this stuff really happens. But yeah, yeah. It was, but it was so now it must have uh, changed your guys. You must have started getting recognized though, because it, back then I'm not sure people when it, before you saw the band, unless you were a diehard fan, because you went to see them a concert, or you saw an album cover, you know what they look like. Mm-hmm. But before that, no one knew who anyone really was. And then right. in, in MTV, the whole focus was the look to go with the music. Right. Now, did people start recognizing you? And was that weird for you? Yeah. Yeah. Yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, fame is a, is a strange animal. So it's just, I mean, people just come up to you in the street and they probably just, yeah. and just, you know, bother you. Well, yeah, especially when I did the black and white hair. And okay. I did that because I tried to be Farrah Fawcett and it didn't work. My hair doesn't <laughs> puff up. It doesn't. It's just flat and straight. So we thought, okay, well, let's do color. So when I did the black and white hair, then, you know, that's you can spot that a mile away. It's just a weird – nobody was doing that. So it, it looked different, and, and I was more recognizable with that. See, that must crack you up now because you did that before anyone did it. And now <laughs> you just see people with – I mean, I'm sorry. I, I'll go out, and I, I'll see like a – people with like purple hair and like something just I don't get it sometimes like you were in a band and it's understandable and you did it before anyone but now it's like all these people do it and it must sit there you must sit there and be like sometimes be like yeah I love 
good. I it's did fun that first. To be, it's fun to be different. <laughs> yeah, but but sometimes everybody wants to be different. But, but well, like, like maybe not. But yeah, it's I mean, a lot I'm, of people. I'm a little different, but it's always just sometimes they go a little overboard. I think, yeah. Sometimes with the hair, it's like you did it in the beginning, and you, it's like I don't want to see the guy at the bank with checkered hair. I love that stuff. Do you really? Yeah, I do. I with, love it. I love guys with makeup. I think guys with with black eyeliner, it's like hot. I love. Well, it. it's funny. My friend Troy, who's coming over for Thanksgiving, used to play uh, in White Lion for a little bit, and he was my show the other night, and the MC is like, "Are you wearing eye makeup?" And he's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> I, like, well, I think it's great. But see, musicians get away with that, though. Yes. I mean, you know, if I walk down the, with eye makeup, they think it was some weirdo. I would get beat up. That's what would happen to me if I wore it. You don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to wear it. So now, now the, the band's becoming big, and now you're playing bigger venues. Mm-hmm. Now, in the beginning, you were playing smaller places. Oh yeah. So, and I know from doing comedy, if you play in front of like 150 people, or you go to a place that holds like 2,000. It's very different. For a comic, it's very hard because you have to wait for the laughs to subside. For you, when you're going Mm. to a bigger venue, I mean, the sound check must be, I mean, is it, was it harder? Because there must be a more of an energy coming from the crowd when there's 25,000 people from when there's like 500. In my head, it's supposed to be different, but what I've noticed in life is it's not. Okay. It, it, it's really, it's not about the size of crowd, it's about the energy the crowd's giving me. And it's always different. Sometimes there can be 2,000 people who are just, there's nothing there. And and there's a, a 200 you know seat club that's full, that's um, like ridiculously exciting and loud. So it's it's... It's really the where we are and the the energy coming off of the crowd that's that makes the difference, not the size. Now, when you guys back when it was, <laughs> I mean, we opened for Elton John. We did a okay. show. You got to hear this. Just this wasn't that long ago. This is a couple of years ago. We did a show opening for Elton John at the Cow Palace, which is probably twenty two thousand capacity. Uh, this is in San Francisco. Okay, and it was a corporate show done by Oracle, and it was twenty two thousand. Nerds. I mean, just people who work in computers. And I'm expecting, like, I've got my biggest clothes on and my hair's done. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is just going to be ridiculously loud and obnoxious and great. Nothing. I mean, it was just, I mean, it was literally like, the, like they were sitting there going, well, should we dance now? Or do we clap? What, what do we do? And, and I thought, okay, we just suck. And I came off. They did the same thing to Elton. I'm standing there looking at this crowd, (laughs) capacity crowd, and Elton F. and John is playing, you know, he's Elton F. and John, okay? And I'm looking at him like, are you out of your minds? Do you realize what you're watching here? I mean, really? There was nothing. Crickets. It was like, what? That must must suck. So so that just, you know, illustrates that it's not the size. It's it's just the people. It's sometimes they're just loud and crazy and they're there to have fun. And other times they're just not they're not getting it or it's just not an excited place. You know, it's funny. And actually, I I did. I think I I I saw you at the Starlight Bowl a few years ago Mm -hmm. up here in Burbank. And what's funny is we went my friends have season tickets. We went like two years ago, I think. And the same thing happened to me. Like there, it was a it was a cover band on stage, but they were good. But we look up like a row and there's a lady and she's asleep. And we're thinking, <laughs> why? And her husband is sitting there and I think I sent you a picture of that. I took a picture because she was by, I took it and I was sitting there going, why would you even go out if you're going to sit there and you're going to fall? I mean, first of all, how do you fall asleep? I, mean, I wanted to throw stuff at him, but my friend's like, no, you can't. But I mean, no, she was asleep. She's like this. 
And he's like sitting there, and then she'd wake up, and then she'd go back to sleep. And it's just, why, I don't understand why people would even go out. Maybe she wanted to be with him. Yeah, but I just, Maybe it was his thing. That's good company, though. <laughs> it's, like the, right. it's like the people at the restaurant would sit across from each other reading two different books, and it's like, oh, you're glad you went out for dinner. My man does that, too, though. I mean, we, he doesn't love music as much as I do, clearly. I mean, who does? You know, I'm, it's, I, I made it my living. So he goes to shows with me sometimes, and he's not that into it. He's going because I need a date. Right. So he'll go and he won't fall asleep, but he's not clearly not excited about it like I am. Okay, well, that's because you love it. Yeah. Now, here's a question. Now, you, you said you love music. Now, who are some of the, besides Elton John, of course, who are some of the, the bands that you've got a chance to work with or open for or even perform with that you just sat there and went, holy crap, I'm performing with? I mean, there must be some and you must so have some many. good stories. I mean, something. That, so many. David Bowie. Uh, now, how did, you, how did that happen? Uh, that was the S Festival. Okay. And the uh, S Festival is, is out here, right? The S Festival was out here. Steve Wozniak put it together. He did two of them. He did S82 and S83. And, uh, I mean, it was it, 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 it was probably one of the best days of my life. It was 250,000 people. So many people that it went over the horizon. You couldn't see the end of the... I mean, it was just people. And that day was Bowie, U2, Pretenders, Stevie Nicks, Joe Walsh us um stevie i never remember his last name who's who he has his own band from bruce springsteen's band stevie Vincent. yeah in one day see that's just sick that's like those concerts are just crazy i mean i can't tell you how excited i was i, I couldn't believe i was playing with these people that i got to play and then i got to watch them oh yeah so what's massive. i mean it must be amazing you say two hundred fifty thousand people it just it, it's first of all that's you can't even conceive 250,000 people. Like, even when you see, like, these big college football games, and th those stadiums hold, like, the biggest one that thinks in Penn State holds, like, 110,000 people. Oh, does it? That is twice the size of that. So, I mean, yeah. you, you guys just, I mean, when someone applauses, I mean, you can't, <laughs> you can't wait for the whole applause to break because it would take, like, four hours. Yeah, it was so big that they had to put speakers, like, every quarter of a mile down so that they would hear it in real time because otherwise they would, I mean, they would hear it, like, two minutes later after you play <laughs> right i know it's like it's serious it's like and back then it wasn't like the big jumbotron so there's, yeah. pro there's probably some person in the back on i paid 50 bucks for this ticket and he's drinking a beer and someone's screwing them playing the goddamn radio they're playing your your cd you're playing your cassette and he's like i love this song and they're like dickhead they're not even playing that song right now they're not playing sex they're playing metro right now yeah so, so now how did you react to the crowd i mean was it hard to play with that many people because you can't you know, I mean, it, it can't be intimate, and it's just, it must be crazy. I don't even know how we did it. it I, I, I was in awe. At, 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 and, and to this day, it's still one of the most awe-inspiring days of my life. You know, those, those are gifts from God. You know, you, yeah. can't, you, can't, you can't make those things happen. Pat Benatar is getting to sing with her. We opened for her, and she invited me out on stage to do Heartbreaker, and we belong. Are you kidding me? I mean, these are moments that... You just can't buy. They are they are gifts. Uh, yeah, I mean that's just that's it's amazing. And just funny is that the way different times are now is like if if you sang with her now, someone would uh, tape it and it would be on YouTube. It, would get, it like, is it on would, YouTube. Okay, because a lot of times that oh, like, yeah. back then that didn't happen. Now it's like and even if you right. just go screw around with something, let's say you went to it. Let's say because you, you do the show with Wendy. Let's say if Wendy said come up on the stage and you guys just joked around you know that would pop up on youtube and we get a ton of hits and they right. go oh yeah terry nunn's trying to do comedy you know just yeah. like it's just so funny it's changed for the uh i think 
for the bands, I think. Do you think YouTube's better for bands now? Or do you think it's sure. better when you guys were around? But the videos. I do. I think, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of people on both sides of that question. I, I think it's great because it's like bootleg you remember how like cool it was to get a bootleg oh, album i remember you know? my friend had bootleg uh bruce springsteen live from the hammersmith oh Odeon. yeah i had a bootleg fleetwood mac that had had uh, uh rhiannon and this like crazy version of it i just thought oh i'm the coolest chick on the block i mean i i'm i'm it because i have this and they were really expensive and even then bands were like well we don't think that's very cool to have bootlegs well you know what it is because the more people got them, the more people love the band, the more fans you have. And I think YouTube's the same way. The more people see you in diff whatever, the more they're going to be, they're, they're going to know the band and, and possibly like the band. And that's the whole point. Well, YouTube is, is a lot like videos were, but as I said before, you know, in video, when video was MTV was MTV, music, television, mm. not, you know, mothers, pregnant, you know, all the stuff they have now. You, you always saw it even vh1 it was it was with youtube you have to look for a video but on mtv when you sat there like let's say i didn't know berlin and i'm sitting there flipping around and i go hey that sounds good then you could see it and then you would know exactly and you could go search for more which youtube is crazy because you i mean there's so many bands now i mean do you listen to new music now or are you are you oh avid, god like, it, because i have the radio show on kcsn so i i have to program two hours of new music all the time now some, every week what are some of the bands you listen to now that you just uh, uh, love Skrillex. Okay. I'm a huge fan of Skrillex. Marine and the Diamonds. Metric. I love Metric. Who else am I playing now? Morgan Page. Calvin Harris. Avicii. I there's I love EDM. How do you how do you find the band? That's why the new album Animal is is EDM because I it's taking electronic music and using a lot of the sounds we started with but creating a whole new exciting sexy just ah, I, I love it. See, that's good though. You're you're came out with the new the new music. Now, how do you find yeah. the bands you play though? Do you sit there and do people t say to you, "Hey, Terry, listen to this band from on, on your show"? How do you find bands that you? I get a lot of help from my drummer Chris because he's a DJ as well, so he helps me program my two hours. He okay. just says, "Oh, check out this new band or this new artist or this new DJ," and and he gives me a whole bunch of stuff to listen to, and I I sort through it and put on. You know See, what I like. Cool. Now, now, have you ever followed up on these bands and said, "Hey, if you're ever in town, can I sing with you?" Have you ever done something like that? Not yet, because I've been so busy myself that I haven't. We just interviewed, um, strangely enough, Steve Wozniak. Okay, I saw I saw pictures. Jeffrey posted pictures of you guys, and I when you said Steve Wozniak, I said, "Okay, that was they were on the show." Yeah. And people, if you don't know, she, uh, Terry hosts a show with past Cooper Talk guest uh, Wendy Liebman. Which tell people how you met Wendy, how this whole thing happened to get on the show with her. Well, the funny thing about Wendy is I met her because my brother met her husband at a symposium that put together composers with uh, screenwriters. So they, they met, and uh, her husband, uh, her, well, this might get a little too convoluted for you, but her, her, Wendy's husband's dad wrote all of the Disney right. music. He wrote... Um, he was he wrote uh, Mary Poppins and he wrote yeah I mean see, right um, uh, the oh, guy Supercalifragilis all that stuff he wrote it's a small yeah. world okay right. if I wrote that I could just die happy I mean it's it's just one of the best songs he's like ever he's like movie he's like movie writing royalty so famous right right so so when my
my brother heard that, he said, oh, here's my sister at eight years old with all of her Mary Poppins stuff. I had Mary Poppins shirts. I had I had lunch boxes. I had the, the dresses. I had the dolls. I had I, I was surrounded at eight years old by this. And why my brother had it in his phone, I have no idea. But he showed it to to Jeff, Wendy's husband, and 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 he said, "Do you know my 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 sister is Terry Nunn from Berlin?" Well, Jeff flipped out and said, "Well, I'm I'm a huge fan of Berlin, and we have to get together. And my wife is a comedian, and maybe they would like each other." Well, I'm a huge fan of comedy, huge. Yeah. To me, com- comedians are the rock stars of the world. So when I met Wendy through Jeff, we all fell in love with each other, and then. The, the rest is history. When it, when this show came along from KCSN, I wanted a partner because I really love playing off of people. And Wendy's hilarious. Right. And she jumped right up and said, I want to do it. See, that's so, awesome. Yeah, we started it a year and a half ago. And it's that, see that? It's running strong now. And did, yeah. do you like doing the radio? I do. I, well, that was my second dream. If I didn't have any talent myself making music, then I wanted to play other people's music. See, that's cool. And that's so funny because I know... Uh, Sound 100 does, um, they do album sides sometimes, and they actually play the album, which I miss the album. I know a lot of people didn't like them. The album was cool, because I know you had to flip it over and stuff like that, but once again, it's sound, actually, I'm sort of tone deaf, I think, because I can't tell the difference between cassettes, CDs, I can't, they all sound the same to me. So that's the thing. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm not very sonically acute. I just know if I like it or not. I'm just more about the music than I am about the sonics. Right. I have no idea because I've 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 played people things and they've gone Terry, there's something wrong with your bass uh, levels here. They're kind of bad. Oh really? Yeah, I don't I don't know. That's so funny. So I got a question for you. Now we're talking about when you know when you guys in the early '80s when you did take my breath away. Now, now how did that song come up? Because it's off the. Top Gun, which is so funny. I mean, every guy loved Top Gun. I, I think, and I think every girl loved it. it. Was just Top Gun was a cool movie, and it's you, and then there's Kenny Loggins, who I, Kenny Loggins is cool, and it's just oh. highways, whatever. It's just it was uh-huh. great stuff. But how did the, the record company come up to you guys? Because it, it was a lot different than Metro and your other songs. It's a, it's a very different song for you guys, I think. Yeah, we got lucky because at the moment that this guy was asked to do the Top Gun soundtrack, he was working with us. He's a huge producer and writer, Georgia Maroder. And we begged him to work with us. He was so expensive at that point because he had already done Donna Summer. He came out with I Feel Love. Then he did Bowie's um, Putting Out Fire with Gasoline. He did Flashdance. He did Fame. He did Blondie. And so we were like, uh, I mean, we were just salivating over this guy's sound because he was a sound and we wanted to work with him. So he agreed to do one song, which is all we could afford. Uh, He did no more words with us. And at that moment, Paramount came to him and said, we are doing this movie soundtrack. We want you to put it together. We want you to write for it, Uh, pull the artist together we were there at the right place at the right time. And and I wasn't the first person that he asked to try to sing on it uh, as an audition. He had already, I, we weren't big yet. I mean, okay. We didn't even have a top 10 hit at that point. So he had tried other singers on Take My Breath Away and the producers didn't like the singers. So he, I was like the third or fourth choice. He came in one day and said, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do him. He was he was a, an Italian guy. Well, I have this song, and it's going to be so huge. It's going to be a, a, a movie at Tom Cruise and Paramount. Next year, it's going to come out. It's going to be 
big and big and big and you're going to love it. You must hear this song. So we put, so he played us a song and I just thought, well, this is amazing. And my partner, John, said, well, this is the end of our career because it's not Berlin and I didn't write it and I don't want to do it. So it instantly split us apart because okay. uh, he was against it. I was for it. I mean, Georgia Marauder could have farted on a CD and I would have sung to it. I just thought Georgia was it. So the label it broke the, the, the headlock. They said, you're doing it. Because this is your label it said, yeah, okay, you guys, you don't have a choice. You have to do it. Yeah, as, they as, said this is ma- This is a massive opportunity as the you. full band or just you. Or did, did they say, you know, you, Terry can do it by herself, or you guys as a full band are doing it? Um, John would refuse to plan. Okay, so uh, Georgia just went forward with me. I did the audition. I, I I I sang it, and the producers loved it, and so we we went ahead and did it. And then the label said, well, now you're putting it on your album because this is a big deal. And John got even madder at me because in his, you know, 22-year-old mind, it was just not Berlin at all. And it wasn't. But so what? It was Georgia Marauder. Right. It's, it's Top like, Gun. It's a big on. movie. It's like everyone. This is so exciting. And I know. I, it was a great song. I thought it was a great song. So, you know, John now says I was nuts. I was out of my mind. I was an egomaniac. I wanted to write every note. Now, did you put it on the album? Yeah. Okay. Now, I got to ask you, I I watched the video the other night. And uh, now, what was it like? Because you're sitting there in an airplane in the middle of nowhere. Where did they shoot the video at? Uh, The Mojave Desert in in a plane graveyard. Okay. That's still there. And you're actually standing up, but it's not CGI, because there's no CGI back then. So you're actually, they put you up in the plane. Yeah. And you start singing. And yeah. Now, was that scary? That was what was cool about Top Gun is, you know, they didn't have blue screen in those days. Right. All those shots are real. You know, all the, the aerial shots and the, the planes, you know, messing around. That, that's all done in computers now. I know. Were you, were you afraid you were going to fall out of the plane? No, they nope. they were they were nice to me. No, because it's just it's it's a it's a different video look. It's I mean it's cool. It's got a very aesthetic look, but it, it's it's different because you're standing in a a real plane. Yeah, which yeah. right now now it would be made by somebody. You're right. Yeah, the plane would be probably. made by a crap. Yeah. So now, <laughs> isn't it crazy? I mean, for you, unless because the videos you were you know when they were cool, like videos were cool back then. I mean, it's like the stuff was real. Now you're right. If they did a video, you would go in front of a screen yeah. for, and sing the song, and then you'd They'd sit there put and go, whatever they want on Holy it. crap, I'm in a dinosaur's <laughs> mouth. What is that? I'm like singing, my head's out of a dinosaur singing, take my breath away. What is that? <laughs> exactly. So now, now, how did you get some inspiration for the songs, like Metro and all that? Now, did you, do, did you put a hand in the writing, or was it John? I did, did with some of the songs. Metro was John's. Okay, now, did you do the lyrics, too, or did you also have an idea? I did lyrics music? on the songs I worked on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do lyrics and melodies. Now, how do you come up with the lyrics? I mean, for jokes, you know, I'd sit there and go, this sounds funny, and then you go on stage, and if it's not funny, you know. But for you, it's, it's, a, it's like a commitment. You have to actually write it out. And then yeah. if it goes up and if the band doesn't like it, it must be a very hard process. I'm inspired by music. I'm a reactor. Okay. So I have ideas for lyrics. Like I'll, I'll see a line or hear something and go, oh, that's a cool idea. And I'll write it down. But I don't sit and write lyrics without music. That's not me. Some people do. I, I throw the idea in a drawer. And then when I hear a piece of music that excites me, then I'll think, okay, what, what what am I feeling right now? What Do I have anything? And I'll look through my ideas to see what might flesh out with this piece of music that I've fallen in love with. Okay. That's how I write. Now, when did the original cast, I call it cast, the band, when did you, what year did you guys break up? 
the original well the it, the original cast was me and John okay every album it changed we we created the music and then we I mean we didn't have you know tracks in those days you could play on stage we had to we had to hire people to create the music live that we had made because that was the only way to do it so it was different every album but John and I broke up in 1987 okay and it was an amicable or was it just the creative differences or <sighs> we were tired i mean we're just tired of each and other you're so young too that's the thing like people don't understand you know you guys have traveled the world you've had you've played in front of 250,000 people and you're you're young and so it must yeah. be it must be hard cuz i'm sure egos clash I mean, absolutely and record labels just they work it to the bone and it's it, you know they just want to get the biggest bang for their buck they can and so they they love kids and they love kids with no lives so that they can just work it i mean it was album tour album tour album tour i'm reading steven tyler's book right now and and he says the same thing. I mean, they just they they blew apart Aerosmith just like Berlin because they were tired of each other and they needed a break. That's what we needed was just a break. How and we didn't know how to take a break. Yeah. How much were you guys touring back then? Was it was constantly? It constantly? I mean, worldwide. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now, what what were some of your favorite places to play? Is there any places you sat there and went, "Wow, I can't believe we're playing here and this is a beautiful city"? I mean, what were some of your favorite places to play? Um, I loved Japan and I loved Australia. And I love New Zealand. Actually, it was really a cool place. And I loved, I loved Europe. I loved especially. I'm Dutch, part Dutch, so I loved Holland. Okay. Holland was fun because, oh my God, to actually be able to buy pot, right. to buy a, to buy grass, <laughs> you know, like at a store, you know, right there on the corner, and smoke it with people. That was huge. Oh was, my God. That, that, yeah, I've never been over there, but that'd be crazy. Oh wow, that was massive. I got a question about you for Japan, and it's going to sound weird, but they, so many bands have a huge following in Japan. And so a lot of people, now, if they speak Japanese, because you go to different countries, do they know, like, I mean, do they know the lyrics? Like, when they're, you know how people sing back. Are they singing back to you yeah. in, in, in English? Well, they're singing it kind of phonetically, because okay. they, and they, I'm sure that they're, it's translated in their country to them what it's saying, but... I, <laughs> American music overseas is just I mean it's a it's huge it's like it's like Japanese cars are to us they're just the best made in the world and they, you know we're we're in awe of them but when we go over there it's like this music to them is it's 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 heaven and it is I mean American music is is some of the best in the world so you know, yeah, they're just singing kind of the the sounds because it's exciting and it's passionate and. Yeah, I, I always remember because my roommate in college was from Hong Kong and he used to have like great music taste. But it was like, I mean, funny for us, like he brought this stuff like we had never listened to New Order or stuff like that, you know. And it was it was amazing. But I was like, because he's, I mean, when he would we would speak to him, we 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 Americanized him very quickly. We you know we taught him all the bad habits. And when we'd speak to him, he'd have to sit there and translate it. And I speak very fast. So half the time, I know he had no idea what I was saying. He would just nod his head. But I always wondered how the music and how the crowd would react. Like when they sang to you, did it sound, when they sing back, does it sound just like your the words you sing? Or is it different, with the, especially with the accents? I mean, you must have heard some weird stuff out Yeah, there. but it's more like sounds. Okay. You know, like like when you don't know the lyrics to something and you're just singing the sounds because it's, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You know, or you make up your own words that sort of sound like the lyric you know that's what it sounds like <laughs> I, that's, I do that all the time because I <laughs> I don't Me know how words, and I try to say a song I go you know that song and I'll make the sound and everyone's like no that's not what the word like, I think the best lyric I've ever heard was to Metro that isn't the lyric we wrote but it's actually better okay. uh, and you were waiting there swimming in a pile of cheese 
that's the lyric that people sang. But what we wrote is swimming through apologies. <laughs> that, is, that is so funny. Pile of that. cheese. Exactly. That's even better. <laughs> It's just so funny. It's like, how do you come up with that? And people sit there and go like, oh, well, you know, and if they sit there and think it about it. It sounds like it. It's, it's like Tiny Dancer. Where there's yeah. some songs like, take me to the... There's, yeah. there's songs to do that. So now after uh, Berlin broke up, okay, now what do you do? Are you are you, are you worried where, where you're going to go? Because I know you recorded a song for uh, some soundtracks. You did some soundtracks, right? I just worked with everybody. I worked with Jane's Addiction. I did a movie with them uh, called Gift that Perry Farrell directed. I did a jazz album. I worked with Sisters of Mercy. We had a hit... Uh, in you know in the goth world, it was actually the first time I played Top of the Pops was with Sisters of Mercy, working with Andrew. I I went crazy because I'd only done Berlin for right. like eight years, and now all of a sudden I could do anything, so I did. And then I did a solo album for Geffen as well, which was a mess because I basically did everything on one album. It was terrible. What do you mean, like, like all different genres? Oh yeah, I did disco, I did pop, I did rap, I did rock. It was so all over the map that it was. Like, what is Terry? You know, it's like, what is she into now? Because they couldn't really get a handle on it. I thought it was cool to do 10 different ideas, but it wasn't. It was kind of just like, she's kind of lost. <laughs> but see, now, now it would work because people could buy singles. You know what I mean? Like, you could right. buy every, like, back then, you could buy, like, the single. And there's yeah. a flip side. But now, if someone said, hey, man, we like that Terry Nunn rapping. But my, mis- <laughs> my mistake is, though, if they like a song that you do, then they want to hear more of that. They right. don't want to hear... Uh, one song and oh now she's doing rap over here and country over there and what you know it's just like what is she now it just didn't work were you a fan of rap I mean what made you sit there go I want to try rap did you like rap groups you just said I want to do something different I was a fan of the song that that the composer brought to me I thought that's a cool idea so I I went with it so how would these composers find you I mean it's like it's like they sit there does your record company say okay you know like you said someone brought a rap song or someone brings a western song well now you're not versed in writing western and you probably really haven't listened to a lot of western I don't know if now you're a western fan are you a western fan no okay it's the same way but I mean so that must how would they sit there and go okay we're going to bring you a song, Terry, and you're going to sing it. You know what? I should qualify that because I loved Linda Ronstadt. I loved uh, Bonnie Raitt. That's not Western, though. That's like... That... It was definitely country tinge. I loved Emmy Lou Harris, some of Dolly Parton's stuff. She's a great writer. You know, so those that's all country tinged, I should say. But yeah, I don't like... That isn't my go-to style of music. But how would they find you? Would they sit there with someone, say, go with a record company? Would Usually they say... publishers. Publishers um, have their own companies and their own artists and their own songwriters that they represent. And that's what a label would go to or what an artist would go to is publishers. And they would say, well, this is your style. This songwriter has done this before. Here's what they do. Do you like it? Okay, so now you're touring again. Now you're back with Berlin. Yeah. Now, what? You, when did you decide... Did you decide because people missed your music? Because everyone knows Berlin. I mean, it's one of those bands like you don't, you never hear anyone talking crap about Berlin. Everyone likes Berlin and everyone likes their songs. I mean, that's, it's just across the board. I mean, I'm a huge Springsteen fan. A lot of people go Springsteen socks and some people, oh, we love them. But everyone likes Berlin. So is, it, is that one of the reasons why you decided to get the, the band back together and go out and play? Because were people asking you, hey, man, you know, we miss you. I and mean, how, did, how did the whole idea, because you're doing all this, you know, you said you were doing your own stuff. You got away from Berlin. So you're doing rap, you're doing Western, you're doing all this right stuff. you're seeding your plow like whatever you that's what is it called when you you're selling your oats in the music world basically yeah, doing exactly. all these different things yeah so did you sit there and go wow i miss i miss these songs or did you just sit there and go you know what this berlin was what it was all about i didn't know where to take berlin for a long time okay. that's why i did other things because i didn't know where to go with it 
And it wasn't until, God, when did I start doing Berlin music again? It wasn't until 97, 98 that I thought, okay, I was just hearing stuff that was inspiring me and making me go, okay, I can take this piece and this piece and this piece and create Berlin now, Berlin 98, that I finally got re-inspired. Now, was that a little bit of a scary venture for you? Just terrifying. Because you were so It away? was terrifying because I, I was running it now. Okay. And before, John was really running it. I did my singing, but I didn't have to think about the money or about the business of it. He handled all that. But at that point, he didn't want to do it anymore. He wanted. He was a dad. He had three kids. He, he was not interested in music anymore. So it was up to me. I had to to run everything so I was when, scared to death there were times I would just lay down you know as I was trying to get it going and just just be so scared that I had to lay down and calm down for 20 minutes every day just like I don't know if I can do this I don't know if I can do this <laughs> see we all do that it's so funny and I think it's more artistic people do that we sit there and we'll, we'll dwell and it's like wait a second just instead of actually doing it we sit there and we always think what is the worst case, instead of saying, okay, the best case scenario is this can happen, which there's a better probability of this happening than, you know, the worst case scenario. Oh, God, oh, it, I can it's die. the best you know, thing it's... I could have ever done is to, you know, to have your own business, which oh, is yeah. basically what I had to do is take it all on. It's, I, I would do it 10 times again. It was, it, it's the best thing in the world to run your own show. Now, it must be different because back then you answered an ad to be in Berlin. So now, how did you find your musicians to put in the band when you restarted it? I got help. Um, there were people who were kind of, what do you call them? Like, you know, they, were, they, they, they looked for musicians themselves for labels. Labels would, would hire these people, and I knew a couple of them. And they would go out and just be listening. They'd be have their ears, you know, they'd be in the clubs and they'd be checking out, okay, who's great and who might be good for this project the label has and who might be good for that? And they helped me. They would say, oh, you need this kind of guitar player. Okay, we know this guy. He's, he's just come out and he's, he's, he's this new kid on the block and you should check him out. So that's how I, word of mouth also now is it is it was it a hard process to find those right people because yes. basically it is it is your baby it's like it's like anything you know it's this is your project you are the person you they people love you but if the it's band's hard. not right people are gonna sit there and go uh we don't i mean it's it must be i mean did you have to go through a lot of people to find the, the right fits or what yeah i mean some people lasted a long time some people didn't yeah but that's the way it always is with the band now when they audition for you do they come in and you say Want to be, play one of your songs, or do you yeah. say play something else that you sit there and go, "Okay, this person." Has no, the chops. they come in and play Berlin songs to hear what they sound like on Berlin songs because that's what they're going to be doing. Now, what's <laughs> you know? your what's your favorite song for them to play? If they if you said if someone could say, "Okay, someone's going to play audition for Terry Nunn of Berlin," what song would you tell them? It depends okay. which which instrument guitar, lead guitar, saxima, because the guitar player has to sing too. Okay, so that's uh, they got to do it all well. They gotta sing and they gotta play well. How about drums? God, I like dance drummers. Okay. You know, we had one for a while who he's now playing for Rick Springfield. He he was a real bombastic drummer, like a lot of cymbal crashing and ah, you know, like huge big guy playing, and it was okay, but it it wasn't Berlin. Berlin is more it's more dance. So when I found Chris Olivas, who's been now with me since 2000, 
he's a dance drummer. He made my ass move around. Like, he made it shake, and okay, this is it, you know. He <laughs> just kept that groove going. You That's... brought the energy in Anaheim. I got to tell you, you brought the energy. Because we were saying the funny thing about the Anaheim concert, I sent Joanna a picture, was there was a lot of fat Madonnas. I, I've never seen it. There was like, we were outside. There's a lot of obese women wearing Madonna outfits, which was just, I've never seen that before. But I took a picture of these. They were great. They were having so much fun. And that was the great about that concert. Everybody had fun. Yeah. Because it was just a fun time. And uh, and I said, you guys killed it. I mean, it's, and then, well, have you worked with Rick Springfield before? Yeah, we okay. played with him before. No, he, yeah. he was just on the Today Show. And, you today. know, I think the drummer that, that went with him is perfect for his band because he's a more of a bomb. Rick Springfield's music's more, you know, rock. And, you know, so that's a perfect fit. I can't believe Springfield's 62. Is oh he? My, yeah, he took his shirt off. And me and my buddy are like, man, we got man crush. <laughs> man crush on Rick Springfield. Really? The guy is incredible. I mean, is I know, he fit? Oh, ripped. Like, like, wow. like 62-year-old guys aren't supposed to be like that. I mean, like wow. Harrison Ford isn't even like that, and he plays an action hero. Wow. Not, it's an action hero that he plays? Yeah. So now now these days, do you do you love getting back to your fans? Are your fans happy that you're back playing? And was, yeah. it, and was it scary putting this new album out? Because it was the first one. Well, this was the first new album in how long? Uh, well, our last one was 2009. Okay. And before that, how long was it? 2005. Okay, so is it always a, do you take longer because you're doing certain stuff and you don't have the pressure to sit there and go, we need an album every year? Or do you just sit there and go, when the time's right, we'll do the album? That's a good question. It took me a while for this album to find the fit, to find the, okay, what's the thread on this? Because I had met two women. We wrote... We wrote mom, uh, one of them I wrote mom with. She came along a year after my mom died and she played me this piece of music and I thought, okay, this is it. It's time to write something about my mom. So that was there. But her style was not a whole album's worth of Berlin to me. It was just a song that I fell in love with. And the same thing happened with another writer, another girl who I wrote stand-up with. She was more rock and I loved the song and it's on the new album on Animal, but it wasn't the the direction. Then this KCSN show came along, and I, I then I was immersing myself in electronic music because that's what they wanted me to do. I was the queen of electronic music for that station. That was the show they wanted. And so I'm listening to this music and hearing sounds like, wow, it was just like, okay, I get what I want to do because it was, I knew I could make an EDM album that was the Berlin people know with cutting edge sounds they had never heard us do before. That's that's where I saw that I could create. So I thought, okay, I gotta find a writer who can do this. And a friend of mine introduced me to Derek Canavo. Well, first actually John King from the Dust Brothers did a song with me and that was great. But he was kind of pulled with two different projects going on. It was taking too long. So I said, okay, John, I'm, I love you and I'm, this song's going on the album, but I, I need to work faster than this or I'll never put this album out. Right. So, uh, so then another friend introduced me to Derek Canavo from Elegy. And when he played me the music that he was doing, I was like, holy God, this is it. So I said, Derek, I'm chaining you to my office desk in my studio. You're never leaving. We're doing this for three months. I'll feed you once in a while, but you are not leaving my site. And he said, okay. He was ready. And See, that's, that's amazing. Cause now, now, how did you get the title, Animal? How did, how did the title come out, Animal? It came from the first song because that was the first song we wrote. And when that was done, I was like, oh, my God. This is the guy. This is it. 
This it, 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 it was everything I wanted Berlin to be on this album. Does it get you excited? I mean, yeah. That, now it's now it's like it's. They always say like with with writers and people finding their voice. Well, now it seems like you found what your what you thought Berlin the voice was, and that must be a great feeling. It's so exciting. That's why I still do it because it's exciting to me. Now, do you music. still do you still enjoy doing the uh, the classics? I mean, cause, yeah. I mean, because and it must be great because people know them and they're automatically going to get reaction. Like you're when you guys played Anaheim, the one thing was you mixed in some new stuff, mm-hmm. and it was great because the new stuff sounded. It was catchy. It was good. And then you played the old stuff. But there's another band who just sat there and they played like all this new stuff. And we're like, you're not playing your the your, hits. Your hits, you know. And yeah. the, the new stuff is fine, but don't give us only new, new stuff. New, 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 new. Yeah. Old stuff. And then they ran out of time and they didn't play any of their hits. I, I agree with we that. We were so mad about it. I was so mad when I went to see uh, Trent Reznor. To, uh, he was playing Nine Inch Nails with um, with Jane's Addiction. Who are old friends. Um, so I went to see them because I love Nine Inch Nails. But there are a lot of songs he does that are hits to me. He didn't do one. Okay. It was like all about the new stuff. And I was mad. I didn't go to hear the new stuff. I'll listen because I'm a musician and I'll listen more than the average guy. But I, gotta, I, I came to hear Head Like a Hole and Closer. Right. And those are the songs that I rock out to. I, that's why I'm there. And I understand that. Totally understand that. Now, we're, we have only a few minutes left. Okay. Uh, how did you pick the Grace Slick song to play? I was so... I was so... It was, it was serendipity because, as you know, I'm a huge Grace Slick right. fan. Right, we just said that. But I, I had never brought that up with Berlin. I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't even think about doing anything with that. And we were sitting in, having lunch, some city, uh, the night... Uh, the, the day before we were playing somewhere. And... and Somebody Love came on, and my guitar player said, wow, that's a really good song. We should do that. And I dropped my fork. I said, are you kidding me, really? And the drummer said, yeah, that's a great song. We should do our version of that. I said, okay, now we're doing it, this week. And the guitar player said, I could put a track together of that, and he did. And a week later, we were rehearsing it, and it was just out of, like, woo! It was so exciting. Now, do you have to get permission? Like you have to no, go you some? don't. You don't. It, it becomes public domain. Okay. Once it's released by the artist, then it becomes what's called public domain, and anybody can cover it. I never knew that. Okay. Yeah. Then what always happens when people say like people sample from a song and they get sued? I don't. The sample's different. You okay. can't take the original artist version and use it and uh, without their okay. But you can do a cover of anything if it's already been released. So you're very happy with the new album? Are you, are, yes, are you, are I'm you stoked. It? I'm digging it. Now, you, when you when you play in concert, a lot of days come up. You guys, of course, we saw you, it was a short set. How long do you usually play? It depends. If you're at a festival, it's shorter. If you've got your own show, it's longer. Like, like now, you have the Canyon Club. Like, How long would you play at the Canyon Club? That's or? a long show because it's our show, and it's a Christmas show. Okay. We're doing a Christmas show, so we, we love Christmas songs, so we're doing those, too. What are some of the Christmas songs you sing? You know what my favorite Christmas what? song, my favorite of all time ever written? Tell me. The Hanukkah song. The Hanukkah. Adam Sandler. Okay. Well, yeah, but you, 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 do you play that? Of course we do. Do you really? Absolutely. But they don't believe you're Jewish. Yeah, that's that's so false what? advertising. Does that mean I, do, I can't, you can't sing it? You can't sing it. It's I look Jewish. It's my favorite holiday it. song ever. What's your favorite Christmas song to sing at your concerts? Uh, we're going to do a new one this year, Santa Baby, but we're doing a very dark version of it. Okay. I'm, I'm excited about this. Um, oh, Holy Night. Okay. That one's a big one to me. And... Um, do you hear what I hear? See that? 
That's, so a, that's, a, good, that's, a, that's a good one. Well, we got to wrap up. Uh, uh, give everyone your info, your website, your dates coming up. I know you have some dates. Tell tell your Yeah, if you want to know where we're playing, uh, go to berlinband.com. It's also berlinpage.com. Okay. And uh, Facebook is Berlin Official Band. That will give you all the information on where we are and when we are and the album and all of it. Thanks about, for having me on your show, do, do you, Steven. Do you, do you tweet? Uh, yeah. Well, follow you. Follow they can follow you on Twitter. The real Terry Nunn. The real. Is there is there a fake Terry Nunn? There's a lot of them. Doesn't that, <laughs> doesn't that piss you off? It's like like I do that to get guests sometimes. I, I I'll follow a profile. And I go okay. I'll send them a message. Then you'll sit and you'll go to the website. and He goes, this is a fan page generated. I'm like, well, why do you have such and such dot com? It's not right. Because then I'm going to send a message and some idiot's going to come in here who's not even them. Right. But anyway, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Oh, uh, you're great. Nice. Thank and you. Yeah, people. Uh, here's her dates just real quick. If you look in California, the Canyon Club. On the 6th of December, Cabazon, that's at uh, Morongo, right? That's uh, Morongo Casino. That's the 13th of December. And the Coach House is the 21st of December, right? Those are all Christmas Christmas shows. See that? So go check her out. Also, people, keep listening to Cooper Talk. Uh, You can send me an email at cooper at indy100.com. Please send me a message. Uh, Also, follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. That's just my at Cooper Talk, not the real Cooper Talk, at Cooper Talk. I found a guy, there's a guy that said, I am Steve Cooper. He followed me on Twitter. I'm like, no, I'm Steve Cooper, damn it. Also, people, listen to past shows at coopertalk.net. I have 205 episodes up, and I just started redoing my website, so there's pictures of all my guests. Um, and that's it. Follow me, uh, listen to me on Stitcher or iTunes. Type in one word, Cooper Talk, and you can search me, and all these episodes come up. And I want to thank you for listening. Uh, you guys have a safe Hanukkah. And a, and a happy Thanksgiving. And don't forget, drink your water, eat your veggies, take your vitamins. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.